All right. Welcome, everybody, to Car Thoughts with David. I'm your host, as always, David Cowart, and I've got an interview. This is actually a take two because the first one didn't really work out, but I am interviewing uh, Gareth Rafferty. He is the podcast host of uh, Building from the Bottom. Uh, he also is a university in uh, Derby uh, in the UK, so he's across the pond. And so just want to bring him on the show and have a chat about social media marketing, about uh, university, and about whatever else we come up with. So, Gareth, if you want to introduce yourself, and we'll go from there. Hi, everyone. I'm a 20-year-old student at university, and I just want to say a huge thank you to David for bringing me on the show for technically the second time now after the first recording didn't quite record and I'm sure it will be great and everything that we talk about is going to be really interesting and I hope it's a value to all of your listeners. Absolutely. Well, thank you uh, very much for uh, setting up, like you said, this <laughs> second recording. Um, uh, fair warning to everyone, we did test this for a couple seconds before, so 99% sure it's going to work this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, fingers crossed. So um, the way we met uh, was actually through Twitter initially, um, you know, and uh, you were doing a post about um, should you start an Instagram and would anyone be interested in following you? And somehow or another, you know, I ended up seeing uh, seeing your post responding. We started chatting and um, talking about podcasting. And um, yeah, you had some really great insights and I was just blown away you know, by some of the stuff you said, and that kind of really inspired me to make some changes to my own podcast. Um, but how, uh, how did you get started on, uh, on your podcast? What was the real inspiration behind that? So I think we've had this discussion before, but I'll, I'll fill everyone in. I'm, so I'm 20, I'm at uni in the UK and I'm starting my own business and I've been on about starting my own business for about well since i think it was about april april to may time and i thought i see huge entrepreneurs and people that other people aspire to be like and i, I see these people vlogging and doing their podcast and obviously they get millions of listeners and so i thought they always talk about their journey from their perspective looking backwards but I haven't really found anyone that is talking about their journey whilst they're actually doing their journey because often when we look back we tend to highlight things even more that were good and um, exaggerate things when they were bad and so my podcast I do my podcast I aim to teach the people that are listening about my current journey and some of the things I'm facing at the very, very beginning of starting up my own business um, in the UK, as I've never done this before. And so, yeah, that's my aim um, to teach people and to um, hopefully help people resonate with me about the different struggles that I go through starting a business because I know that. If you've never started a business before and you want to start a business, but you're not too sure what to do and where to start, it can be quite difficult. And so I want to help people along that journey because I know they'll be facing similar things to what I'm facing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, and like you said, 
Um, there are definitely a lot of podcasters out there that are talking about what they've done. They're, they're looking at it as a retrospective of their work, um, yeah. but not a lot out there that are kind of following that pattern. And actually, I watched a Facebook Live last night um, where this lady was talking about um, podcasting. And she said, you know, she encourages people who are running businesses to not even start podcasting until after their business has been established. Yeah, And I, I kind of paused on that because I was like, well, I was thinking of your podcast and my podcast where we're kind of journaling as we go. And it's like, mm. you know, I, why not? Because so many people want to have those answers like, oh, you struggled with that. I'm struggling with that. Okay, I understand you, you overcame it by doing this, you know, instead of just seeing somebody saying, well, you know, 10 years ago I had this problem and this is what I did. You know, that information might not even be applicable in today's yeah. society. So, yeah. so yeah, definitely a different niche for sure. Yeah, and my my podcast in particular as well. Um, obviously, I, I'm I'm 20, so I'm still like I still see myself as a baby in comparison to some of the other people that are on social media and some of the other people that I've met on social media. And for me, it's I I'm looking at and I'm working on building every different area of my life. Um, learning a lot at the moment. Um, I've, I've started reading over the past year. I've started working a lot on my morning routine to make my days more productive over the past year. And just working on my, my, like, my, my own personal growth. And so that's something else that I document on my podcast because um, often, especially morning routine, it's something that I talk about a lot because it's one of the first books that I read and I really like the book that I read. Um, and it's, it's quite strange because when you initially start what could be called personal development, it's, you, you don't see the change straight away, but when you look back, you, you realize a lot that actually you have changed and that you are developing. And uh, I, I find that a lot. If you, if you look back at some things, um, like I, I can say that when I was in high school, for example, um, when I was a lot younger and I was at school, I used to think having one sheet of homework a week was a lot. But then now I'm at university, it's, <laughs> I wish I had one piece of work to do. Yeah, it's, it's so, definitely it's different. different. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And... The, the one thing I would say at the start in regards to personal development, because um, often you may want to develop yourself but not know where to begin, not know what books to read, um, if to read books at all. And so the one place I would start would be get yourself a morning routine book because that's where it all begins on a day. And often in the morning, um, well, often on days, if you start your morning wrong, it can affect the rest of your day. Um, making you more negative, making you not as motivated, and just basically giving you another 24 hours of a day that's not going to be very good. And so I started on my morning routine, and then from there, my days have just grew, and I've kind of grew as a person, um, and my days got a lot more smoother. And then I've started working on things such as, um, like, procrastination because it happens to everyone not everyone is always motivated um 
And so I've started, instead of beating myself up about procrastinating, I try and do a little bit of work, even if it's 300 words, which isn't much. And I say to myself that actually I've done 300 extra words. So instead of seeing it as a negative, I flip it and see it as positive and say that actually the fact that I've done 300 words means I'm 300 words closer to reaching the goal of doing a piece of work, for example, in that case. Yeah, and that's so important is, is how you perceive it because really everything that we experience in life is based on our perception, how we view a certain circumstance or uh, something that comes our way. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, and the one thing you mentioned, the My Morning Routine book, um, which mm. is really a powerful read, uh, which I highly recommend for anybody listening, because um, I know we've talked about this, but, you know, how it kind of gives you, like, ideas on where to go. So it's not like other books where they're like, oh, well, you have to get up every morning and do this, 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 and this. This is like yeah. you get up every morning and here's a lot of things that work pick the things that work for you and then go through them. Yeah. And um, in the description of this podcast, if I were you, David, I'd leave them like the name of the book just so that they can check this book out because I read it and I was like blown away because people are talking about the book called My Miracle Morning or something similar to that. And it was basically telling you this is the morning routine you should stick to but then the the other book that we're talking about the um my morning routine book i found that a whole lot better because it talked about evening routines morning routines but also it talked about some of the more niche topics if you want to call it that so it talks about parents for example because often in books um unless it's a parent book, it won't talk about how to deal with morning routines. And so this, it doesn't tell you what to do, but it tells you what other people do. And so you can take bits from each section, whether that's evening routines, if you're more productive in the evening. Uh, if you've got kids, it talks about what some of the most successful people in the world are doing in regards to their morning routine and how they work around their kids and spend that, first hour or so of the morning with their kids and then other people do different things and so I thought it was really good to piece little bits together and um, so like me I don't have kids but I took a bit of what a person was doing with their kids and implemented it in a different way and so I found that just the way it was written it wasn't forcing you to do anything but it kind of left it up to you which i quite liked and a lot i like that flexibility because everyone's morning is different and everyone is productive in different times of the day some are morning some are the evening and it talks about those different areas which i thought was really effective yes yeah i mean absolutely and and i'll definitely have the book and the link to it um in the description um but yeah that was one thing that i really liked about it as well it was just kind of like a you could take what worked. You didn't have to, because it, it felt like even with, with my miracle morning, though it was a really good book, it felt like it was one of those retrospective books where it was like, yeah, this is the way I got here and I'm super successful now. Whereas my morning routine was like, if you want to be super successful, 
take these ideas and principles with you, use them, and here's how other people used it, and you know, pick out what you like and go from there, kind of like a, a salad bar, if you will, or something like that, yeah. versus a, a prescribed menu item or something like that. Yeah, and I've also found that um, if, for whatever reason, you don't want to buy a book because uh, you're not very good at keeping up with the schedule of reading books, um, a page that you could follow uh, on Instagram if you've got it, I believe they also post some stuff on Twitter, is Business Insider. Now, it sounds really businessy, but um, some, of the, some of the things that they post aren't relevant at all to me. But then there's other articles where usually it's like six facts to become, well, six, um, six things that the top successful CEOs do on their mornings, for example. And usually these six points are in bold. So instead of having to read like a 20 minute article, you can just pick out the bold points. And if you want to read a bit more information, the information's there, but you're not forced to. Whereas with a book, sometimes it can seem as if it's a big commitment. And that's something I found when I started reading, that people were talking about reading a book a day. But for me, I knew that wasn't realistic. And so I read about 15 pages a day. And for me, that's a massive achievement because I never used to read at all. So it's about kind of being realistic. And I think that um, even if you don't read at all, just looking at a page might get you into it if you want to get into reading um, these sort of books. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and everybody's got their own different style when it comes to reading, uh, too. You know, some people are really good with reading books. Some people want, like, you know, just articles or short uh, stories. Mm. Uh, for me, I found that what really helped me out in my schedule and my day is uh, doing audiobooks because I might not always have yeah. the time to to actually sit down and pick up a book, but I do have time where I'm in my car for a couple hours or I'm, you know, doing uh, chores around the house or I'm at work do, working on like a, a menial task where I'm not really interacting with anybody. It's just like putting a computer together or something where, you know, yeah. I just put in my headphones and I can read that way and knock out. I think I've read, I definitely don't do a book a day, but I'm, I've read about a hundred uh, books um, in the last six months, and um, yeah, you know, that's been a combination of audio books or physical books, um, mm -hmm. just because of the uh, you know the freedom that the audio books give me. I can listen, to, I can crank out a couple of those in a week um, because I spend hours in my car each day. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's literally whatever works. I've looked into audio books. Um, it, it's just that investment side yeah. of things. Yeah, they're um, very expensive. Yeah, and I quite like the feeling of having the book in my hands. Yeah. And just, just being there, present in the moment, and not thinking about anything else besides that book is also quite nice, especially in the morning, which is when I read, um, because I, I get up at 5 a.m., which to some people would seem preposterously early. Um, but I, I know for me... I, I have had a failed attempt at the 5am challenge and um, so I have had to work on it and I do have days where I get up slightly later just like if I go to bed late it affects my morning and so I, I'm trying to keep balance of at least four hours because 
believe it or not, I, I read a book and it said, if, if you want your energy in the moment, have a 20 to 30 minute power nap. But if you go over that 30 minutes and you wake up, you then feel really bad and you feel really tired and you don't feel productive at all. But then over the four hour mark, that's when you've been through all the different stages of your sleep cycle. And so I'm not advising that you sleep for four hours. Everyone needs a different amount of sleep. But if, I know for me in particular, if you want to, like for me when I sleep, if, if I want to have a limit of the amount of time I sleep, I try and limit to four hours, like smallest minimum. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very rarely sleep past. I think six is about my limit, and I'm awake. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't I don't sleep a lot. Usually, I'm so full of energy, I just can't. A lot of people even on LinkedIn have started questioning if I even sleep at all. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm, and as far as the physical books go yeah my wife is actually the same way you know she she loves the feel of the physical books. she likes to just sit down on the couch and read and and yeah so that's what i was just kind of talking about was like everybody because kind of has their own style um when it comes to reading and and uh you know it's it's uh you know whatever works best for you in your lifestyle and then of course with the uh the morning routine that's very important because like you said you start off that you start off that day on the right foot on purpose is the what the way I explain it to people. You get up a little bit earlier than you normally would. If you normally get up at noon, you know, get up at 10 <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, get some stuff knocked out, have that quiet time, read, get your mind straight, get everything focused. And that way you're setting yourself up for success as the day goes by. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be in the morning. It could be in the afternoon. It could be in the evening. It could be on your lunch break. It's just, whenever you feel that that time is right for you, because um, for me, I know if I, if I try to push things back to the afternoon, it won't get done. And I, I know in, my, in myself that there's no possible way that I'm gonna have time to do it. Um, and so in the morning, I, I leave myself a bit of time. It's usually about an hour or two to get ready, get my head mentally ready for the world when it approaches. And then I usually get into uni about half seven and I have usually a particular seat that I sit in and I just watch the rush of people come in and just to know that actually I've been up a few hours time and I'm mentally prepared for the day is kind of what I like to work on. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. So as far as your um as far as your business goes, uh how did you kind of land into that social media marketing? What was what really drove you into you know, going yeah. into that kind of a field. Well, social media at the beginning, um, believe it or not, I, I think I was about 15, 16, and I had some work experience. I, I spent two weeks in my local council um, helping them with a social media campaign that was coming up for, they, they had these like statues of wolves. There was 30 of them. And they got local artists and then some other artists from Canada and America to paint these walls. And then they put them up around the city and it was trying to get people to come into the city. That was the whole aim and trying to aim at families in particular to bring their kids and have a day out walking through the city, finding these really wonderful art pieces around the city. And so they were like building up a hype and building up excitement about the launch of this 
um, event which is called Wolves in Wolves. And because it's in a place called Wolverhampton and we're known for our Wolves football team. Um, and so it's kind of like a winning theme. And so I was helping them on our social media and I was sitting at the computer and I was extremely bored. And so I bet, I bet you are wondering why I'm in social media. And th the reason why is because after I was bored in that room, I initially said to myself, that's not the area I want to work in. Trial and error type of thing. But then I recently had an internship. Um, it was the summer just gone. So the summer of 2019. And I think it was about June, June to July time. And I was working at this company which do large format graphics, mainly business to business. And I was helping them on their social media. Um, as well as other things, it wasn't the main focus, but I happen to really enjoy that and I've watched videos on it about the upcomingness and I've read a bit about um, what's happened previously in the history of social media and what people are predicting to come in the future and I didn't realise about social media only being around for about 15 years and so I was like wow I'm older than social media and I know that in 30 years time or however many years time when I tell my kids that I was I'm older than social media I know I'm gonna get laughed at which I'm quite looking forward to <laughs> um, because they're gonna be like oh you're old you're older than social media you sound really old <laughs> but I, I'm excited for that and I know that social media and this the marketing world at the moment it's got businesses running wild because businesses are trying to keep up but there's so many changes that it's difficult and so often um, businesses need people in social media because it's usually the younger generation that knows social media because we move with the times a lot better um, and so I've tried it in different areas I've read about it and it I, I'm really passionate about it and so that's that's how it went from never wanting to do it again to wanting to do it all the time and really enjoying it and I think the reason initially I didn't want to do it was because of the the people I was work not, not just the people I was working with but um, the environment and just the fact it was a council made it quite boring because they had so many different procedures um, and I, I didn't really get to meet many people in the office because of how big it is because it's technically part of the government and so I, I, I like meeting people and I like going out there and meeting clients and meet, speaking to new people and that's um, that's also why I enjoy LinkedIn so much. Oh very cool yeah. yeah. Yeah I, I mean uh, yeah I mean that's that's what it is all about is is you know, there's this this entire shift, like you were you were saying, in the way um, marketing, the way um, advertising is going. You know, it's it's and it takes a lot of these companies don't understand it. You know, they're they're yeah. Um, yeah, they're like, yeah, I'm not really big into social media. I've got this business. We do commercials on television. It's like you know, television's dying. You know, uh, it, it won't be yeah, around much well. longer. I wouldn't necessarily say it's dying, but I'd, I'd say it's shifting because Netflix and Amazon Prime and YouTube right. and all of this stuff, it's 
it's like we still need video advertisements but it's just not going to be on TV. Instead, it's going to be on Netflix in between watching one episode of watching Lord of the Rings to switching to watch another TV show or film, for example, on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever you decide to stream TV on because people like the fact that they can fast forward to a scene that they didn't get to watch yesterday because their lunch break finished, for example. And I know there's quite a lot of people that like to sit at the office desks office desk at lunchtime on their phones watching a movie or a TV show and often you might have a half an hour break and if you've got an hour TV show they'll watch they'll split it into two parts and just having that flexibility um, oh. is what draws people so much to Netflix and Amazon Prime and the, now TV oh yeah yeah sorry I meant to say broadcast television like yeah, yeah. standard cable the old-fashioned yeah yeah, I find it uh, just like newspaper, new, newspaper, you know. I mean, by the time oh, yeah, you have a newspaper, print, all the news. Print is going. Print is yeah. going. Surprisingly, though, um, Snapchat is one that um, a lot of marketing agencies are talking about at the moment because um, Evan Spiegel, the guy that started Snapchat, used to be seen as this young visionary who knew what he was doing and really had the his audience at heart but then now um, similar to Elon Musk the perspective of him is changing because Snapchat doesn't have a future and the reason Snapchat doesn't have a future is because um, what does Snapchat have that Instagram can't replicate and all it takes is Instagram to add a few more filters and to add overlays and add that bit of augmented reality onto your face and then snapchats snapchat's gone really <laughs> and so and, it, and it's also a lot easier to advertise on instagram and facebook and so everyone's a bit skeptical about what are snapchat going to do next because they're going to have to make major changes or buy out a few companies in order to stay alive they're going to they might have to do what facebook's done and or a few tech companies so that they can balance their books at the end of the month. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully they don't end up in the same problem. Facebook is I, I yeah. the constantly <laughs> getting hacked right now because <laughs> yeah. uh, that's kind of crazy. Um, everything that's going on there. Um, but they do have some good stuff behind them. Like I am so stoked for the Oculus, um, the new Oculus yeah. system that's coming out. Their VR stuff is incredible and um you know and then of course instagram is really big their their advertising is on point i mean i very rarely ever see an ad where i'm not interested in stopping to look at it um so their advertising mm -hmm. group definitely knows what they're doing like you were saying they've got some good targeted ads um yeah it's, it's really good for targeting on instagram and on facebook because you can pretty much get down to individual people level in a particular city that have two kids and are between the age of 35 and 45 and live in a particular postcode and go on and watch food videos three times a week and spend an hour on Facebook a day you can literally be that specific and that's just one of the reasons why I love social media so much is just how specific you can be in regards to targeting adverts and actually getting messages out there.
and and also engaging with the audience so easily is quite amazing. I mean, just us talking right now. For me, it's nearly three in the afternoon, but for you, I know it's a lot earlier. And yeah, it's like crazy that we're in completely different countries, but we can chat pretty pretty fine, like we're across the room from each other. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what makes it so great is the world is is really getting a lot smaller. You can reach people all over the world with the internet and go out there and start a business and reach people that you would have never reached even 20 years ago um, because you just didn't have the means wherewith to get to them. Yeah, I mean, Google, it's this massive company that everyone knows of, primarily for their search engine, but it's only been around 15 to 20 years. It's, it's not like it's been around hundreds of years like some of the other companies are quite big. And just the fact that it's grew to that size in such a short period of time is quite magnificent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can remember um, sitting at my friend's house um, and we heard about Google. And we're like, that sounds like something kind of stupid. I'm not using Google. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I back then I used uh, Yahoo, AltaVista, and uh, yeah. Webcrawler. Uh, you know, that those were the big search engines. I remember actually saying, "Yeah, Google, it's not going to go anywhere. That's a stupid name. Nobody's going to buy into that." And sure enough, all of the companies except for Yahoo are gone, and Yahoo would be gone too if it wasn't for the fact that Verizon bought them. Um, yeah, so. I mean, Bing tried to do a campaign. I think it was last year or the year before where they were, were trying to say why do you go to google why not come to bing and they still have not got the market share that google's got <laughs> it was a good try at pulling google down but it didn't quite work yeah well and a funny thing about uh, google and bing since you bring that up is google actually has all of the microsoft troubleshooting repositories uh for windows and all of their software it is auto linked through Google. They've made all of those links to all those articles. Bing doesn't have that. Bing is owned by Microsoft and they don't have that. So me as a technician, it is easier for me to find a problem with a Microsoft product if I actually use Google instead of Bing, which doesn't make any sense. And so, yeah, I don't even use them because I can't even find the stuff I need to find for Microsoft from Microsoft. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they really need to clean things up and kind of get, maybe they need to hire a good social media person to, to kind of point them in the right direction. Cause uh, you know, they, they need to revamp that a lot, I think. Yeah, they really do. Um, but to be honest, there's also a lot of question about Google and their ethics at the moment. Um, I don't yes. know whether you've seen anything in the news about it. Um, people are questioning, um, how ethical are Google really? And I'm just waiting until the day where everyone starts questioning Apple because for those of that, this is going to be quite an annoying comment for quite a lot of the audience. But I'm going to say it anyway. Um, Apple phones, technically, you could claim that they're illegal products. And the reason I say this is because Apple's metal that they use in their phones is illegally mined in Indonesia. And they did a Pamoana show on it. I don't know whether you have Pamoana in the US. Um, but they, they did a show about the background behind Apple and some of the working conditions um, 
So at Apple, when you see their new phone, it looks amazing, modern and new. But I tell you something about it's being made, it does not look the same. The opposite, the complete opposite. Right. And so yeah. personally, I will say the only reason Apple hasn't got sued by the government for, um, for selling illegally mined metal in their products um, is purely because I think if they took Apple down and Apple had to pay a certain fee, whatever that may be, um, it would be great for the government in the short term. But if Apple went bust, then the government would be losing out because Apple pay a large sum of their taxes. Um, that they, they have a very large sum of taxes, um, and they, when they pay this, it's good for the government. And so if they were to take Apple down, they're screwing themselves over. The same reason that Samsung hasn't beat Apple or Apple hasn't beat Samsung because they both need each other. Because Apple buys things from Samsung. Right. Yeah. So there'd be no good reason to take them out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, we can't get screens anymore because Samsung makes our screens. Or Well, I don't think they make the screens, but they make something else for them now. But yeah. Yeah, and it's quite funny because I'm, I'm sure if they didn't have anything invested in Samsung, Apple would try and take it down or Samsung would try and do something about Apple. But Apple pay a lot. Uh, Apple pay a lot to Samsung. And so if Samsung took Apple out, then Samsung would be losing money. And if Apple took Samsung out, Apple will be screwing themselves over because they need the parts for their phones. <laughs> so the competition is there, but it's not as competitive because they need each other. And it's, it's quite crazy that how much they need each other. Yeah, and I think it boils down a lot to, uh, to like the one of the lines from The Matrix came to me where it was like, you know, people have a choice and that's why The Matrix did so well is because yeah. they, you know, the people had a choice they didn't go crazy because everything was perfect and i think that's where a lot of competition a lot of these companies have realized if we take out all of our opponents people might not want to buy our product because they don't have a choice it's like well i have to and um you know that's uh you know a very important thing for a lot of businesses because you know a lot of companies have failed after they were the only one and then of course like you were saying with the government um I know most, I don't know what it's like over there, but most of the government agencies I know of in the U.S. use iPhone because they went to, you know, BlackBerry doesn't exist really anymore. So, you know, they all use iPhones now. So it'd be kind of hard, like, oh, well, you know, we can't really use Android because there's security problems and we're the government. So we can't really shut down Apple because, you know, otherwise, what would we use for cell phones? We'd have to go back to, like, flip phones. Yeah. And, and that's what I mean. Um, some people would agree, some people would disagree, but um, there's, a, there's like a pinch of corruptness in a way because they're relying on business, but then the business isn't technically ethical, but they can't do anything about it because they're relying on the business. <laughs> yeah, it's so, a catch-22. For, for, Apple, for Apple, it's quite good because it means that they can pretty much do what they like and no one's going to chase them. So it's quite good for them. I suppose, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens with the government in the next twenty years, and 
everything that's going on, it's a bit crazy. I mean, the, the world as a whole is, I would say, is splitting. It's, it's splitting into kind of rich and poor, and that gap is getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there's also, um, you know, a split between kind of the old world and the new world with the, you know, some people that get the Internet and the social media and the way things are going um, and disrupting disrupting those mediums. Uh, like, like, for instance, we were talking about how the newspapers dying off. Um, you know, there's a lot of independent publishers out there that are publishing books for people or helping people publish books, yet the big name publishers are like, oh, we're not going to publish your book. And then these smaller companies are like, yeah, we'd love to. And so there's all these changes where people are going out and saying, you know what, I'm tired of this not working the way I want it to. I'm going to do it myself and, uh, and uh, do it this way. And then, yeah, these other companies are suffering because they're not innovating anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting to see the, the way that it's going and there's people predicting things, but no one really knows because we've never experienced this before. Um, so it's, it's really interesting when you hear um, these kind of what would be considered as gurus that are really embedded in the academic life because people are asking the question, where do you think technology will be in 2050? And people are technically guessing because we've seen ideas on movie screens, but that's where that is where we're going. Um, it, it's just how we get there. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the like you said, everyone. All we can do is is guess because you never know what somebody might invent. I mean, I remember as a child watching the Jetsons. And thinking like, wow, it'd be so awesome to have a robot that vacuums my floor for me. Yeah. Thinking, you know, I'll probably be an old, old person, you know, in my 60s before that happens. And here I am, you know, not even 40 and I've got a robot vacuum. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really quite amazing. I would have never thought as as that child sitting there watching the Jetsons. Uh, that I would ever actually have that. Um, so, you know, it is amazing how things are changing and transforming in ways and people are like why not invent that that makes total sense you know why not try it what's the worst going to happen you know we'll fail well you know what if we succeed um i just recently oh uh yeah i I just recently watched the uh the uh virgin space flight uh you know uh richard branson uh his space flight test for commercial space flight and i'm like wow you know how far have we come you know in, in in that as well that was just the other day yeah the one thing that i um, i'm really interested in at the moment is smart homes because uh, quite recently i saw adverts advertising that you can be in the supermarket and remember that on your tv you need to record a tv show and do it off your mobile and you can get an Amazon deliver a, a delivery, um, a delivery guy to walk into your house and put the parcel on the side and then shut your front door and everything, and it's all automated. And you can be, um, you can be at your friend's house or at work, and you can get a text on your phone or your camera will come up on your phone to your home saying that someone's breaking in. 
and I'm also really interested in how they're going to embed technology into things like fridges because just simple things as ordering a bottle of milk when you finish or you're close to finishing your milk and monitoring and monitoring that because Amazon have done quite well and gone into bakery because that industry once we have smart fridges Amazon is going to be the go-to because they've already got their Amazon Alexa and so all you'll have to do is say Alexa order me some milk or if you buy an Amazon fridge which will probably soon be coming out embedded with their smart technology and it will do it automatically when the place where you put your milk bottle is less weight straight away it will order you so as soon as you run out of milk your milk's already on your front door waiting for you and i find that really interesting just to see see the shift because it's okay having a cooler phone but just the way that we live our lives as opposed to just walking around with a mobile phone i find really interesting and also the fact that you can be sitting in your bed with your wife or your your whatever and you can actually also be sitting in a completely different country watching a baseball match or a football match or a soccer game or whatever um and you could be there in, immersed in that environment just by wearing a vr headset which is yeah quite cool and the way that that's shifting as opposed to just watching the screen you're actually in that environment it's really really interesting yeah i actually just saw a commercial um uh, for oculus where there was these two guys watching a movie together and the one guy was sitting i think he was sitting on the white under the couch with his wife the other guy was just sitting in a chair like in a totally different house and they were sitting there talking to each other and watching uh, i think it was stand by me it was old 80s flick and they were yeah. sitting there crying and the wife was kind of like are you crying uh, <laughs> but but yeah that was really cool and then i've actually got a lot of the uh, smart home stuff in my house the lights and the um you know, so I can actually, when I'm on vacation, I can set up my lights to automatically come on and, and turn off, or I can tell Alexa to take care of them. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, if, if 50 years ago someone told you that you could be in a completely different country and be able to switch your lights on or switch your heating on for you traveling home from work just by sitting at your office desk um, or in a, in a board meeting with your manager, it's everyone would have laughed at you and you would have got laughed out the room. And I think yeah. a lot more people are taking big risks towards technology and towards growing as people. And yes, some people are failing, but the ones that don't fail, they've really hit the jackpot and they, they hit the jackpot really hard. Technology is just quite cool, but it's also really scary. Um, it, it can go one of two ways, really, can't it? Yeah, that's really the, the big the big question. So many people are like, oh, you know, AI and machine learning and smart homes and all of this stuff can be great, or it could end up like Terminator and you know they take over. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah. if we get too ambitious, I think that could be a possibility. Um, like, if we start saying, why not make them smarter so they can do things that we have never been able to do? I think that's the that's the point where people are going to realize that if we do this 
it could change our lives forever and the way that we work and do life forever. Yeah, very true. And, and you know, humans, anyway, any which way this goes, we're going to have to start finding more different types of career paths because eventually those menial jobs are going to go away as, as automation takes over. Um, I mean, I see it in my field in IT. I see automation taking over. I mean, I go into a McDonald's and, you know, they just – they don't even – like really have anybody up at the cash register there's just televisions huge television yeah. screens that you order on now and they're like yeah just go over there and place your order and i'm like okay cool <laughs> you know, yeah i mean yeah you, you can walk into shops now and not even have to speak to a single person right um, and i mean amazon are doing their shopping in america now where you can you can walk in scan your phone and then walk out and it picks up all the items that you picked up during that store um, which is really, really cool, but it's also dividing us as humanity from that face-to-face -face communication that we do need. And the younger generation in particular, and as, as we embed more and more technology that stops you from being social, the impact will be their social skills. Just like going to an interview or picking up a phone people will be a bit more nervous if they have to do formal phone call interviews um, or call a client because we don't have that skill anymore. Luckily, I'm in the generation that just about has that skill, but I know that there's people younger than me and also pe some people that are my, the same age that don't like picking up the phone to a family member, let alone another business. And it's 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 quite scary that we could end up being so embedded and all having this amazing technology, but also being so divided and not having anyone around us. And the only friends we will have will be on a screen who we have a photo of, but do we really know if that's the person? So it's, it's great, but it's also dangerous and scary at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think maybe that might be something they might need to address in schools uh, going yeah. forward, you know, actually have like, which they used to have, they used to have uh, etiquette classes and things like that, where you actually would go through things and like home ec and, and those types of like social event type building uh, classes. I mean, I remember, yeah. um, you know, hearing about them in like the 40s and the 50s uh, here in America. You know, they'd have these types of classes and, you know, uh, work, work, woodshop and, and mm. uh, mechanic classes and things like that. So I think really the shift on education is probably going to have to go more to the social life skills versus the actual teaching skills. Because most, most kids nowadays, you know, they get a phone and they know exactly how to use it. So, you know, they can figure out math and science and reading and stuff like that. You know, and, and they would, I'm not saying do away with those classes, but, you know, maybe make more classes that are about the how to interact with humans, because obviously, um, you know, we, we know how to interact with machines. You know, th that's what my generation, your generation, and, and the one after, you know, we're really learning. So, but, uh, but yeah, so that might be something in the future, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really crazy.
to be honest. Um, just also another thing that a lot of people are looking at is education and the system of what we learn because the whole aspect of life over the past 20 years alone has changed but the education system hasn't changed in more than 50 years and so people more and more people are dropping out of schools dropping out of universities because they don't see it as valuable and especially like certain areas it's going to be valuable so if you're if you want to be a doctor if you want to be in the medical industry um, and other scientific areas then yes it is useful for you to go but for other areas that are in that field of constantly changing it then begs the question do you pay the fees or do you go out and get experience and push yourself a little bit out your comfort zone for that first hour of being at work but then gaining on the job skills which may not be seen straight away at your at the younger generation's age as being the right decision but in the long term the skills you gain are actually more than sitting in a classroom getting taught by someone that's been through the same thing you've been through but 60 years prior so so i know especially in business some of my lecturers um, they're at least 40 years older than me and when they have been in business which may have not been for 20 years business 20 years ago was completely different so why are business students in particular getting taught what their lecturers have experienced 20 years ago which isn't necessarily what's happening right now because i know quite a lot of my lecturers are set against social media and they say look at traditional marketing it's great to know but we also need to know the digital side more than ever because of the future that is already upon us and over the next five years we're going to see dramatic changes let alone in the next 20 years very very true yeah i mean when i was in when i was in college um None of my professors, actually, I went for a computer programming degree. None of my professors actually even had a computer programming degree because yeah. the degree the degree didn't exist, you know, when they were going through college. So I was being yeah. taught by mathematicians and engineers, which is I, I picked up some valuable life lessons about mathematics and, and engineering. Uh, but as far as the computer lessons I learned, I didn't actually learn anything that I didn't already know. Uh, which is why I did eventually drop out of out of college because I was like, I'm paying this money and I'm not all I'm actually getting out of it is the piece of paper. I'm not actually learning anything, and yeah. so I decided to forego the money just to get the piece of paper, and took a little bit longer route, uh, mm-hmm. but I did get that life experience and that work experience, um, and I feel like the experience I got was more relevant because it was actually taught to me by people who actually knew how to do it versus people who just read about it in a textbook. Yeah. And I think students at the moment, probably the main reason they're going to university is one, because they're scared to go out into the real world. I'm not saying everybody is, but there's quite a large majority of people that are a bit nervous about leaving home, about going into the world of work. And not feeling good enough for one but also not feeling like they have the skills and also when you go for a job nowadays you need 
to have a degree. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a degree in that field, but you need to have a bachelor's degree in order to tick a box on an application form on a job description or a person's spec. And so that's, it's, it's kind of what some people would say it's a con because you go to university, you learn these things um, similar to high school, you learn your topic and people say at the end of high school, I'm never going to use algebra again, for example. Um, and you may not unless you're in that industry, but when you get to university, it's more specific. So you expect that what you're learning is going to be what you need. And that's not necessarily the case because some of the things you learn are great and you do gain a lot of skills in building your independence and building like your self-awareness. But some of the actual content that you're paying for isn't necessarily needed because I mean my, my degree a lot of it is um, well a lot of it I, I already knew I'm just learning business models which when I go out into industry the models that I'm using probably won't be used because it's academic and not business yeah yeah and I mean that's that's the uh I think maybe eventually there's going to be a shift in college to the point where it's going to be more like the difference between broadcast TV and like Netflix, where it's more of a a la carte, you know, you get what you need and you put, and they kind of build a customized degree out of that. I think if college is going to survive long-term, it needs to make that shift. Um, You know, like, like you said, definitely lawyers, doctors, you know, things like that, those important fields where you have to have a lot of schooling because obviously somebody's life is in your hands at that point, um, yeah. uh, you know, is very important. But for the average person, some of the classes that you take aren't relevant, like you said, to what you're actually going to be doing, um, yeah. you know, in your career field, assuming you can even get a job in your career field, uh, because yeah. you know, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people don't uh, these days. I know, I know plenty of people that have a degree and they were never able to get a job at what they actually went to school for uh, because there's just so many people getting degrees in those fields. Yeah, but there's also the fact that uh, degrees in general, a lot of people go into a degree thinking that they want it, but then three years down the line, they don't want that subject anymore because it turns out it's not their passion and it's not what they enjoy. And also, another thing that bugs me about education is that we still have exams. Since when do you go into industry and they say, can you fill out this test for me for two hours and then we'll talk? They don't. They want usually a written report or some form of a written document or just, yes, something written as opposed to sitting in a room with a lot of other people for an exam. And so I don't know why we still have them. And people don't value work. People don't value um, coursework as much. So doing those documents in school because they say um, it's it's not practical. But how 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 does doing an exam make you look more educated than not doing an exam, and instead doing it over a longer period of time um, in a in a document, which is usually what you do when you work you're working and you have to fill out paperwork. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got a few like with. With what I do, you know, I have a few boxes where I have to pick things like, okay, a category, and then I write out uh, 
what I did, you know, an explanation, explanation of, of the, the work that I did. And, you know, that's kind of my normal, you know, my normal routine is actually writing. I do more paperwork than I actually do tech work some days. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Hmm. You don't do exams though? No, no, I can't. I can't tell you the last time I did an exam. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I, even even the driving exam, when you learn to drive, it's it's a lot more practical because you're watching videos and it's it's multiple choice where you're more likely to do that on a day to day basis when you're working than sitting down and doing a written exam and answering lots of questions just to get a letter at the end of it, which will then go on your CV just to tick a box on some CEO or director's pages. That's what happens, and I don't know whether you've experienced that, but it seems that it, it's happening all around me, and I never realised until I actually went out there and started applying for places that it's it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of since I I skipped out on college, but I saw so many people, you know, so many of my friends who went through and. You know, they, they have their degrees on their walls and I'm like, okay, so, you know, that's great that you have it there on your wall, but what did it actually do for you? You're not, you're not doing what that degree says you should be doing. So, yeah. But. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. <laughs> well, uh, we have been talking for an hour now. So, uh, so I think it's probably time to wrap this up. I, I, it's been a yeah. good, good chat for sure. And I yeah, hope everyone enjoys it. And, um, so how can, uh, how can people get in touch, find out more about you? What's the best way to hit you up on social media? So for me, if you want to listen to my podcast, it's called building from the bottom. That's on SoundCloud and Apple podcasts. And then if you want to find me on social media, LinkedIn, it's Gareth Rafferty, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's Gareth G Rafferty. All right, awesome. Yes, and I will, uh, I will post uh, post that up on the show description along with the uh, morning routine book. And uh, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. And you know, I love listening to your show. I've been talking about on the podcast since right around the time I started my podcast. So you know, people are familiar with it. So hopefully, we can. Uh, yeah, give them a glimpse into what you do and uh, get more people interested. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right. Me. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, and Car Thoughts out.